Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matthew, I hear you have a big announcement. Yeah, I do. I started my own website, and probably by the time everyone is listening to this, it'll be up and running. It is a subscriber site, just a couple bucks a month. It's a pretty darn good deal, I must say. But instead of writing for 9,000 different outlets, I just said, screw it. I'm going to write for myself, start my own deal. And this listening audience might be excited to hear that all my Dynasty rankings will be there. And I will be doing fantasy and dynasty stuff, but mostly NFL. But you can—that's the only place you'll find my dynasty. Yeah. So this this yeah. move makes sense. I know you were doing redraft content for one side and scouting work and dynasty work, and you're just going to get it all place. in one place. Uh, so check that out. What's what's the address that people can oh, find? I should, that? Probably should mention that WilliamsonFootball.com. All right, sounds good. So yeah, definitely check that out. WilliamsonFootball.com. Find all of Matt's work there, and uh, Matt, we have yet again another Matt today. <laughs> Matt, we, yeah. we just keep doing this. I keep being outnumbered. Matt Harmon from NFL.com Fantasy, uh, Fantasy Footballers, and Twitter, and Reception Perception. You know him from pretty much anywhere and everywhere. Matt, how are you? I'm good, and yeah, I hadn't heard about uh, Williamson's big news yet. That's awesome. Congrats. It's always nice to feel uh, that you're whole as a content creator as this, instead of being pulled in all those different fractions. That's uh, that's pretty cool. So congrats to, to Williamson for that. And thank you guys so much for having me on. It's a, it's a fun time of year uh, with the free agency window kind of, you know, the primary and secondary wave really honestly, even like the third wave kind of mostly over at this point. Um, and, and we're headed now focusing towards the NFL draft. So it's, it's a really fun time of year. And uh, thanks again for having me. Yeah. We're glad to have you on it. I, I mentioned a few of your, your noteworthy sites and other things. And you've really, it seems like kind of stepped it up in the past year. I know you've, you've done more TV recently. It seems like with, uh, with the NFL. And I know during the season, you got um, a, a lot more involved with the next gen stats. Talk just a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. I'd love to, uh, you know, from a, like a personal standpoint, you know, you mentioned all these things uh, that I'm doing it's funny. It's like none, nobody really ever asked me to do these things. You know, you find out when you work in like big media, you know, nobody comes up to your like to your, to your cubicle and be like, hey, Harmon, you want to do a segment on TV or hey, Harmon, we think you'd be really good with next gen stats. It's not like that at all. It's mostly like, you know, I got the, the, in the door there about almost three years ago now at this point, And I'm like, that looks awesome how can I force my way into becoming the next gen stats guy? Uh, and we've, ta- it's kind of taken like two and a half years to get to that point, but we're, I think we're finally there. Um, yeah. There's just so much to go into with, with NGS. Like I'm constantly learning new things. Um, we're just developing newer and newer metrics all the time. Like right now we've got something in the works. That I can't really talk about publicly, but it's really going to be, a mind blowing thing for people to check out uh, in terms of things we're going to be able to quantify. It's just, it's the next level of data for sure. And now that I'm able to dedicate more time and resources to uncovering it, um, I think that we're really going to take some big steps forward, both from a content perspective and also just what we're able to show fans about the game. Cause to me, like, I think gone are the days of when viewers are kind of able to or are just forced to, to listen to an analyst opinion and be like, 
okay, well, I'll trust it because, you know, X former player or X former uh, personnel person told me this. Like with NGS and, and, and things of that nature, analytics and stuff, you're really able to show fans what's actually going on, and that makes them smarter. So it's a really fun process to be a part of all that. And, and yeah, in terms of TV and stuff too, like, I mean, I never thought I'd be doing any of this, but uh, now that I've, you know, you got momentum, you, you might as well ride it. <laughs> so all those stats are on NFL.com though, right? Not everything. Um, there is a there's a public page, nextgenstats.nfl.com, uh, which has some of it, and I'm constantly lobbying for more and more data to be put on there. Um, I'm hoping in the next couple of months, a lot of our metrics that aren't up there yet will be up there, including some stuff about individual defensive players that I think people are really going to be interested in. Uh, but for right now, we've got some receiving, rushing, and uh, passing stats kind of on a, on a basic level. Like when you see the stuff on on next gen stats on nfl.com like that's the that's the basic stuff that's available to the public and if you want to dig into more stuff yeah you can check out like my articles at nfl.com slash harman cool okay well matt with you mentioned free agency and there's the next gen stats we could we could have a whole show just around that so uh (laughs) you're definitely dabbling in a lot of areas right now the one we're going to focus on today is this incoming rookie class uh, specifically wide receivers. Of course, that's kind of become your forte with your work in reception perception over the years. We're going to talk about several of these individual wide receivers uh, that make up this 2018 class. But before we start, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on the overall group. Uh, it seems like the past couple of years, you know, wide receiver position has kind of almost taken a backseat to these rookie running backs, especially last year. And it, it seems like that's going to be the case this year again with uh, with Barkley and Geis at the top of, of fantasy leagues and uh, and likely to be closer to the top of the draft as well than than any wide receivers. But how are you feeling about this rookie wide receiver class? Yeah, the fun part about doing the draft the way I do it is that obviously I come into this process much later than everybody else, whether it's specific NFL draft analysts or dynasty fantasy players like I'm less familiar with these players you know when it comes to like late January February and this year more than ever as you mentioned I'm I'm doing all these other things and there's still only I mean incredibly there's still only 24 hours in a day I haven't been able to to manage us to get any more than that to 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 work in all this content Uh, so I was a little bit more behind even than usual at this point in the year so when I came into the process with the draft class, it was, you know, the tenor around it was that there it was a bad class or it was kind of weaker because there really aren't any no, dominant number one receiver type prospects. Um, and it, so, so far through my research, I think I mostly agree with that. Not that it's a bad class, but just that, again, there's no real A.J. Green, Julio Jones, Mike Evans even type of prospect, which, I mean, holy hell, that's quite a standard to, to hold any, any crop up to. Um, I think this class is really indicative of kind of the way the league is going at the position, which I, I really think makes studying it intently, whether it's with uh, the, the next gen stats data when they become NFL players or with reception perception as a rookie, why I feel, feel it's really beneficial because the league is kind of going towards less of that dominant number one receiver. I mean, receivers are still getting paid. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of these guys are playing real specialized roles, you know, this guy's our deep threat, whereas this guy's our possession receiver. This guy dominates inside the middle of the field. This guy's our outside the numbers contested catch threat. Uh, and, and less so putting the burden of, of one uh, – putting the burden of the pass game on one player 
we're getting a lot of specialized guys attacking it with you know with spread offenses and everything. So I, I think the class is really kind of indicative of that. There's a lot of different guys that are very interesting um, and that can approach a position in a variety of different fashions. All right, well, let's get into that class a little bit. We're going to talk about, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about several of these players. And the one I want to start with, I think, is the one you started with as far as your content that's been released. You've got a couple of reception perception profiles over at uh, Fantasy Footballers. And I think the first one you released was James Washington. And you talk about two specific traits he has that, that really caught your eye. Yeah, right. I, I I talked about how he wins down the field and he wins on contested catches, which, uh, you know, beyond anything else, like those are two really important traits because they're rare and they're valuable. You know, big plays swing the uh, the tenor of a game uh, when it's vertical passes or whether it's a catch in tight spaces. Those are the sort of the the things that can flip the field for a passing game or can really change the tenor of an offensive drive. So those two things to me really stood out right away and why I gave him, I, I put a player comparison article out on NFL.com uh, just yesterday. And that's why I gave him a comp to Marvin Jones, because if you look at Marvin Jones, I mean, this past season, especially he was the one of the best contested catch receivers in the league. And he was one of the best deep threat receivers in the league. And it was a great pairing with an aggressive quarterback like Matthew Stafford. And I think if James Washington finds his way to uh, a, a quarterback like that, you know, my favorite landing spot for him would be a place like Carolina that I think he's just like the perfect Cam Newton receiver, you know, go get the deep ball and win on a contested catch. If he finds a way to a quarterback like that, I think he's going to immediately find some sort of role. And what I like about him too, is I thought he showed better ability to separate than I, I would have thought across a variety of different patterns. I mean, he does come from a very stripped down offense. You know, we all know that that's kind of the way that these receivers are coming out of that conference. Uh, but overall, I really liked what I, I saw out of Washington. He might be, he might be my number one in this class just because I think he's just so good at everything. And I think the two traits that he does show really well. And those are two of the more important things you want to see from a wide receiver. Matt, compared to most of the quote deep threats in the league, Deshaun Jackson, Ginn, uh, Fuller, even like Chark from this upcoming class. I mean, it seems like Washington's a lot more, physical strapped together you know he's not just a skinny guy that runs fast no he almost I know so many people say he like looks kind of like a running back part of me think that's because he wears 28 uh, I could really get into my thoughts about <laughs> player, player player position numbers and what I think that does to people but I think because but he does I mean he's like he's under six foot but he's still pretty thick and rocked up he does look kind of like a bowling ball um, sort of receiver and he runs a little he runs his routes a little weird kind of like upright and everything so he definitely doesn't look like a traditional big deep threat or whatever uh, but yeah I mean and I think that helps him though when he gets to the catch point because I know some people like Mason Rudolph but I I saw Jace I, I saw James White really adjust to a lot of deep balls and to me he clearly tracks tracks the vertical pass tracks the ball in the air better than anybody else in this class. And and with that like rocked up frame, not just being a 190 pound guy, I think that really helps him go, then go up and get those contested catches. Matt, the next guy I want to talk about is, is one of my favorites from this class. And uh, from reading your, uh, your article at fantasy footballer sounds like maybe one of your favorites as well. Equinemia St. Brown from Notre Dame definitely had a disappointing final season there at Notre Dame I think a lot of that was due to the quarterback play but at the same time I don't want to 
I don't want to place all those struggles on that or, or make excuses for him. What did you find in your, uh, in your study of St. Brown? Yeah, I really liked him a lot. Um, I think that he shows it, we, again, we're talking about this class that lacks that traditional number one receiver, the guy you can funnel a passing offense through. Uh, but, but to me, Equinemius St. Brown might be the guy in this class that could be, could become that player. You mentioned it, not really good quarterback play at all this year. Uh, but you definitely see him. What I want to see then, if, if he didn't put up big stats, I want to see him kind of getting open across the field, you know, and and being able to be that player. Uh, to me, I did see that. 73.7% success rate versus man coverage. That's a really good score. Showed out well against zone press. I saw him win. Uh, he had a 70% contested catch conversion rate for me, so he could definitely go up and high point the football. Um, but again, he's another player that wins wins vertically. I think he can be a really good deep threat. I mean, to me, I, I said this in the reception perception article, like if Will Fuller could be a first round pick out of that school a couple of years ago, and it, the, the, like just, just kind of an arbitrary comparison because they both went to the same school, but if Fuller could be a first round player out of that, out of that school a couple of years ago, I don't see why St. Brown couldn't be who is obviously bigger, much more, I think of an all around athlete. I mean, if you, if you look back at like his family history and everything, it's a, it's a wild story to kind of go through it. Like, they're a unique bunch, and especially especially physically. I mean, just a total freak show. You can see him on the field. I mean, he's really talented. So I, I think he's the type of receiver that because of that last year production, like if he had had a big year, I think we'd be talking about him as a as a clear first-round pick. But, you know, I, I, I kind of want to ask you guys this because I get this all the time with him. Um, people say he's soft or he loafs or he doesn't try or whatever. Look, I I don't think I'm qualified to like be able to watch a video of somebody and, and say like, oh, this guy doesn't isn't trying or or isn't uh you know, or or he's soft or whatever. Cuz I definitely see him go out there and be combative, especially as a run blocker. So, do you, do you guys see that when you when you watch him cuz that wasn't something that I I came away with thinking. I I've heard that a lot. Um but no, it wasn't. It wasn't necessarily something I saw when I watched him. Maybe more this year. And again, I don't want to push everything off on this uh, this wide receiver unfriendly offense that they had. But uh, uh, to me, St. Brown's sophomore season was was pretty special. Yeah. And then he came back this year, and and of course disappointed. So my buddy Russell Clay, he talks a lot about looking at a, at a prospect's best college season, not their final college season. And I think with St. Brown, that's, that's a, a case where that's really relevant. I got to say too, just from experience, if you're going to loaf at any position, wide receivers are the one to do that. I mean, you may, <laughs> you may only touch the ball eight times, 10 times. There's a lot of times where they run the ball the opposite direction. Take it. I mean, it, it's, People don't realize, I mean, that's an endurance position, run route after route after route. Sometimes you need to take a breather. Yeah, it's like a soccer player, but with more yeah. intervals. You know, you're constantly running up and down the field. You know, maybe you take a, take a few, take eight routes off during the game <laughs> or whatever. Like, uh, I know that, the, I mean, you know, receivers do that. It's it's no secret, but I, I don't know. I think I think these things, because again, I come into, into this process very inexperienced with these players. Um, I watch college football on Saturdays sometimes, but I also, let's just say, don't watch it professionally uh, during the season. It's kind of my one day off, so I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, so I don't really come in too familiar with like the takes on these guys. Um, I, I assume that there must be like some kind of big moment or something or just a narrative, like, cause these things just tend to like the narrative catches fire and then one person says it. And then again, like I was talking about earlier, and then everybody adopts it. 
Uh, and then it becomes like kind of just you you all, you start looking for it. So to me, I never saw any moment where he was, you know, disinterested or whatever. And again, I, I hear people say like, oh, yeah, he's he looks disinterested. I have no idea how you watch a, you know, game <laughs> right. film, game film on a player. And like, you know, it's not like they're wearing a mood ring and, and like the, the, color the, change, the, the color changes or something. Yeah. Yeah. To me, I just I, I don't know. If, if you feel like you can do that, that's fine. But I, I'm interested in, in in something else. And I, I think, I, again, he's just a really gifted player who separates really well underneath, separates really well uh, in the intermediate areas. And, again, I think is going to be a really, really great deep threat. The, the player comparison I, I handed out for him was, like, the good time, the good old days of Martavis Bryant. You know, dangerous after the catch, can go up and high point a ball, might frustrate you with a, a an annoying drop every now and again, but – you're going to live with it because of the outrageous plays that he can make. Matt, you talked earlier about the lack of a true number one in this class, or, or maybe just the parody that we see in this, in this group. And uh, there are, I mean, there's probably three or four or five guys that might be valued as the number one, number one wide receiver, whether you're talking about fantasy football or, uh, or simply as an NFL prospect. One of those guys is Cortland Sutton. I think, over the past year, he's he was kind of looked at as the favorite, especially from a dynasty perspective, as the the guy who would be the number one uh, receiver. Kind of fell off a little bit, or or maybe it's just a case of some of these other guys caught up to him. In your in your article, uh, I think the one you referenced on NFL.com, you talked about he might he might be a player that might get a, a slow start to his career. Yeah, I, th- I the the comp I gave him was Demarius Thomas, and he's not as fast as Thomas is with that frame, but they are built similarly. Kind of, he's more quick in short areas, and I think you see that in like his athletic measurements, like his three cone time and everything like that. But really, uh, also, I don't think he's yeah, you know, he's he's definitely not the most technically nuanced player. I mean, you see that he definitely has room to go in terms of his route running not very good against against press coverage when he did see it in that conference you know again the smaller schools like that you, you always have to wonder uh how much how, i mean they're not seeing great press corners and when when he's not ha- when he doesn't have great scores against press that's that's a little bit alarming uh but again nevertheless I, I i think overall i'm probably more positive on sutton people will probably be higher than than me on him but i think that i still overall really like him i think giving him that demarius thomas comp it shows a couple things. One that I think he's going to take, like you said, he's going to take some time. So he could be the type of guy that starts out pretty slow, does flash some big play potential. But then as time goes on, if he really hones that technique, as I think Thomas finally has kind of in the latter years of his career, which unfortunately have been without Peyton Manning. So we haven't uh, gotten to see the the benefits of all that. Then I think you're looking at a bona fide number one, really productive receiver, um, but until then, I still think he's going to help you in areas like after the catch. Because Sutton, for being as big as he is, I think he's great with the ball in his hands. He He's tough when he gets ahead of steam because he's, again, just so big. He can really outstride other people. He can really run through defenders in the middle of the field. So I think he's an exciting big play threat for sure. Um, I, I don't see like an Alshon Jeffrey type of perimeter go up and win the football vertically a ton with him. I know that's a comparison that he gets occasionally, but, but yeah, overall really, really, really like Sutton. It, it just won't surprise me if he kind of gets off to a, a slow start. Matt, a couple of things you mentioned there that stood out were, and I've said this on the, on the dynasty blueprint many times that when I was in the league, it was taught to you right away that whenever you go into school or you watch a college player, 
watch every snap of man coverage you possibly can. And, and sometimes they're really hard to find mm-hmm. because basically if you come to the league and defensive coordinators know that you struggle, you're going to have somebody in your grill from day one and they're going to make, it's like a hitter. They can't hit a curveball. You know I mean? Yeah. You're going to get it until you can't, until you show you can beat it. And I think a lot of people out there misconceive that because you're big and strong, you should get off man coverage, but you also leave a lot of area for corners to get their hands on you. And you got to be shifty. And sometimes the Antonio Browns of the world are better than off man coverage than the guys that look like Julio. And that would worry me. I mean, especially considering the corners he's gone against. Yeah. 100%. I mean, to me, it all just comes down to technique and how good are you at consistently running routes the same way, uh, getting off the line of scrimmage, having variety of moves to get off press coverage at the line, whether it's with your feet, whether it's with your hands, whether it's using your upper body, just how quickly can you get off that press coverage? To me, size is, it's not so much of like a, an indicator of how you're going to be as a player. Like you can be real small and be great against tight physical coverage because you're good technically and you have a combative mindset and you can be a big guy that isn't good against man coverage. Like you mentioned, because you're stiff or because you just don't te- you don't run routes the same way as these other guys physically it's much tougher to do if, if you don't have the same fluidity I mean I know it's like a joke on on fantasy Twitter like oh fluid hips ha 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 but like it's just <laughs> biophysically it makes a lot of sense if you're more flexible uh it's much easier to to do all the moves that you need to to, to get off man coverage so no definitely I, I agree with you for me it's it's not about size it's just again are are you good technically and and Sutton's not there yet. I, I think he could get there, but I think that I think the flashes are there. But I, I don't know that he's there just yet. Um, to me, it, it just like if he lands at the right spot, I think it's gonna be really exciting. Like if he goes to a Green Bay or something, then I think you're looking at a receiver that that could really be be in for a productive career. Ryan, know who else has been productive for us? Who is that? <laughs> a former sponsor of ours that liked us so much it came back i'm loving it they are the people at wink w i n c and several about out there have obviously bought this product through us and i've gotten some tweets about how happy they are about it i love it and basically what it is is you know you walk into a liquor store a wine shop whatever there's just so much to pick from, and few of us, especially myself, are far from connoisseurs. I know I like dry and I like red, but I don't know much more than that. So Wink does all the work for you. That's what's great about it. But because Wink's wine experts select, they select wines that are matched to your taste. They're personalized to you. They're shipped right to your door, and it starts at just thirteen bucks a bottle. There's nothing like coming home to a box of delicious, delicious Wink wine selected just for you. It's the best day of the month. You just fill out Wink's palette profile quiz. You answer simple questions that ask, that your average store clerk certainly wouldn't dig into about. There's questions like, how do you take your coffee? How do you like blueberries? Do you like raspberries better or blueberries better? And they figure out exactly what your palette is from there. Then Wink sends wines curated exactly to your taste. The more wines you rate, the more personalized your monthly selections. So every month it gets better and better. Each month, there are new delicious wines like the insanely popular Summer Water Rose. I get rosé right now. That's the one that everyone's into. No membership fees. Skip any month you like. Cancel any time. Shipping is covered, which you know how expensive shipping wine can be. If you don't like a bottle they send you, they'll replace it with a bottle you'll love. No questions asked. So, 
Discover great wine today. Go to trywink, W-I-N-C, trywink.com slash dynasty blueprint, all one word, and you'll get 20 bucks off your first shipment. That's a hell of a deal. That's trywink, T-R-Y-W-I-N-C.com slash dynasty blueprint for 20 bucks off today. I gotta say, for all the for all the podcasts that I listen to, and I've listened to, you, to I listen to your guys' of course too. This is the one ad that I really want to try. <laughs> yeah, man, this is the one ad I really want to try. I li- for the like amount of podcasts I listen to to percentage of of offers I've ever taken on ads. Maybe I'm not maybe I'm not doing anybody any favors by saying this. Like, it, I, I it's not proportional. Uh, but this one, I'm like, man, you know, I really like to be a wine guy because I s- just slug back way too much beer for somebody that wants to be in re- in really good shape like I do. I'm like, I need to be a little bit more of a wine guy. Like, so maybe I'm a I'm a this consider- is how you learn. I'm a, W-I-N-C. I'm gonna consider this. There we go. <laughs> Might have had one sale. <laughs> is it blueberry or raspberry for you, Harmon? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Probably. Oh, I'm a big dark chocolate guy. I eat some. I eat dark chocolate every day. But for blueberry, raspberry, I think. I'm a Raz guy. I think probably raspberry. Yeah. I'm not. A, I think kind of think blueberries are a little overrated, but that's one of my hot takes. <laughs> I'm a black or I'm a, ra- or a blackberry guy over all the above. There you go. <laughs> Blueberry talk on the Dynasty <laughs> Blueprint. Now we're now we're into something. All right, Harmon. Uh, one uh, one of these rookie wide receivers, you had a chance to actually uh, interview uh, DJ Moore. He's also one of the players. Uh, another one of these receivers who is in, I would say, is in consideration to be, if not the top receiver drafted in the NFL, at least the top fantasy wide receiver after he dominated the combine people kind of seem to catch on to him later in the season they're playing for maryland maybe went a little under the radar uh what did you learn from your conversation with him yeah well first of all he was really impressive just pretty much just straight straight wanted to talk want to talk football and was really uh it was really great to to get a chance to speak to him uh and he was the kind of the the point of writing the whole comps piece was to talk about that interview and, and share with him like the golden Tate comparison. Um, because I think that that's a really easy one to make. And and he agreed. He thought it was a good comp and he kind of tries, he talked, definitely talked about wanting to model his game, you know, off a player like him or a player like Jarvis Landry. Um, it's funny to me, just as a side note, like I know Jarvis Landry gets so much flack in the kind of maybe the fantasy community or whatever, but every pl- I've I got I've gotten a chance to talk to a lot of guys over the last few months for several interviews. Some that will air, some that won't. Everybody talks positive about Jarvis Landry, so I just think that's funny, like the dichotomy between well, like, football players and. It, it seems like just in this class that there's a ton of these slot type wide receivers, yeah. and I mean we'll see where they where they land and uh, where they end up lining up. But if you're just looking at at kind of the frame and what we tend to tab as a slot wide receiver. There's a lot of them in this class. I think you actually pointed that out in your article as well. Yeah, totally. I, I got a chance to talk. I know we're going to talk about Christian Kirk later, but I got a chance to interview him too. Uh, and he talked, he talked about Jarvis Landry the same way. And I think it's too, because again, DJ Moore and I talked about this was like, you have to be, if you're going to be a slot receiver um, 
And DJ said that he wants he wants to be a guy that can play all over. I think every, all these guys say that. Christian Kirk said the same thing. Like he he was very adamant about the fact that he wants to get chances on the outside. Again, we'll, we'll talk more about him later. But with DJ Moore, we talked about just the fact that if you're going to be a slot receiver and you're going to go over the middle of the field and everything, you have to really be a badass. Like you have to want to take hits. Um, you've got to be a combative football player. And I think that's what Jarvis Landry, maybe sometimes to a fault. Uh, is really is really good about doing is being a, a combative football player, but yeah, on DJ Moore, Matt. I mean, before he, you start on, on DJ Moore, I just sure. want to jump on that real quick because I think that's a huge portion of playing slot. You don't get bumped out of bounds by five, ten, one hundred and eighty pound corners on the sidelines. You get hit by Erlacher and Lewis and defensive linemen falling on you in the middle of the field. I mean, it's a very physical position. Yeah, it, it totally is. And and again, I, I talking to DJ about that, he was very insistent on that. That's something that he really likes. He really relishes. Um, I, I, I really felt that was kind of the most impressive thing that stood out to me just right away when I first was getting a feel for him was that he's definitely is that combative player, whether it's on contested catches, whether it's in the middle of the field, um, definitely have to want to take that hit. And And that was a cool thing to see him come in you know, even one of the few players ever that comes in bigger at the combine than on their school <laughs> measurements um, definitely has the frame, I think, to go over the, the middle of the field. But I really like him uh, across all positions. I think he'll be I do think he would be a great slot receiver, but I also really do think he could play a little bit outside. You know, he, he talked about um, this was a great one of the one of the coolest moments I think I had when when talking to him was, you know, I ask all these receivers as like as a quote unquote, I tell them what I do that I look at chart routes and everything and um i asked him i said so what's your favorite route to run and he said the curl route and i was like yep that's exactly the one I, you know <laughs> I posted the, right yeah i posted the graphic that he you know he ran that like 22.9 percent of his of his routes which was the most that he had a really good success rate so that was like oh cool pat myself on the back for that one um but he also talked about that that's really a great one because you're able to work man you're able to work zone you snap back to the quarterback and you present a really reliable target and so much of the nfl passing game is based off of the curl route. Uh, it's one of the most highly run routes. It's one of the most productive routes when you talk about just picking up catches and yards. So I think that he'll be, he'll be a really productive player in the NFL just based on that and everything else that comes with this profile, whether you talk about his college production, uh, when you talk about a market share perspective, when you talk about what he did at the combine, I think that just goes to show you that, yeah, this is a, this is a really good player. I, I think he's, I think he could be the first receiver off the board in the real NFL draft. I've heard that that's a possibility. Um, I think that like a team like Dallas at number 19 would be foolish to not consider taking him because I think he's exactly what they need. Um, so yeah, I, I really like DJ Moore. I mean, he's he's clearly a top three prospect in this class. And if and if somebody had him at number one, I don't I don't really see any arguing that. Do you think he has a high ceiling though? Is that a concern? No, I I th I, I think that that they, that's a good thing to ask. You know, I think guys like Cortland Sutton and Equinemia St. Brown, I think they're more of the classic higher ceiling type of guys. Uh, but I do think there's something valuable. You know, again, if he's a Golden Tate type player, somebody that's going to catch you know ninety passes every four you know every year for four years. So that's a pretty high productive ceiling. I mean, yeah, maybe you're right, Williamson. Like he might not be that you know traditional funnel and offense through and mm -hmm. number one receiver, but I think you get a really good starter that can play a variety of positions and and do a number of different things for you. So again, it just depends on like kind of what we're talking about with ceiling because yeah, he's probably not that traditional number one wideout. I think there's enough parts of his profile that that maybe he's not that, but but I don't know. I I really like him and I think he could end up being kind of like a pseudo number one. 
Yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm just falling in love with this game or have stars in my eyes or something, but I'm I'm actually seeing a little bit of of Odell with him. I mean, wow. I know I know he's thicker than uh than Beckham, but just that ability to play all over, making contested catches, all the, all those things we look for. Uh, so, ceiling is not something I'm concerned with, but maybe maybe that's crazy talk. I mean, when you we've we've heard guys in this class running backs compared to Le'Veon Bell and and you know, now comping somebody or not I don't even want to say comping somebody but just just that I see a little bit of Beckham in his game you know that sounds crazy but we're we're going to have those elite talents Um, well you know what I think is fascinating too about him and and this could help him access kind of a production type ceiling this was something that uh I I did ask him was you know he played with three different quarterbacks this last year actually this whole class honestly like there's a lot of guys that suffered with some bad quarterback play. Yeah. Maybe that's why we don't think it's a very good class. Um, several, several of the top guys too, and, and and more for sure. Like that was something I asked him. You know, what is what goes into being a wide receiver and having to deal with that much turmoil? And he just talked about just work. You know, you just you got to work on your own timing and execution and running the running the route the same way over and over and over again, so they know that they can trust you, and also just fit, matching your style with the different quarterbacks. He's like, because some of them would throw it faster, some of them would throw it harder, some of them would throw them to your back shoulder instead of your front shoulder, and that's something he has a lot of experience doing. So I think that's going to be another thing that that can really help his at least production ceiling. Let's talk about another player, another receiver who did suffer with some poor quarterback play. It's Calvin Ridley from Alabama. Uh, of course, played alongside uh, with Jalen Hurts the past couple of years, who was certainly a run-first quarterback. It seems like everybody hates Ridley. So tell tell us <laughs> tell us some good things about Calvin Ridley. Yeah, I really like Calvin Ridley. Uh, it's funny because again, coming into this process kind of later. Uh, you know, I, I, I come in and he's the clear number one receiver. Like it's not even a conversation, you know, before the combine. Um, and I didn't really see that. I thought it was, you know, again, guys like D just based on the games I charted and, and reception perception, I thought guys like DJ Moore were close. I think guys like James Washington, Equinemius St. Brown should be close because of the way they play the position. Uh, but Ridley's great. I mean, he separates at all levels of the field. Um, he doesn't ha- he has great i mean like one of the best scores against zone coverage that i ever had because he's smart as hell like you know knows where to sit down um he's great at getting separation vertically he's great at getting separation on the short to intermediate patterns um where he's lacking i, I guess in reception perception he's he's kind of average against press coverage and and we didn't see him do much in terms of contested catches because he's he's a guy that doesn't get targeted in a lot of contested spaces because of both the way he played the game and the quarterback that he played with. But when he was targeted in contested catches, he wasn't, he wasn't a good player there. Um, Definitely had a low score, 25% conversion rate, which is one of the lowest I have over the last three years. But again, very, very, very low attempt number. Uh, So all in all, I think he's a really good player. I think he's a, a good like long-term flanker slot receiver hybrid, you know, a guy that you can play outside in two wide sets and then you move inside on some three wide sets, but can also still, again, if you get him that free release from the line of scrimmage, I think he's going to create a lot of issues. Uh, He was a player I struggled to comp comp to for the NFL.com article. So I mostly crowdsourced it and then let people kind of help me. And I ended up landing on Greg Jennings as a guy that, you know, if he lands with the right quarterback, he could become a really reliable, uh, trusted target. Um, 
he, he depends a lot on where he goes, the type of player. I think he's a, I think he'd be, he's a great long-term number two receiver. I, I don't know that I necessarily see him being a, a number one or he, he has that great ceiling. But, you know, if he goes to a spot, I keep talking about um, if he goes to like Atlanta or something and is like the number two across from Julio Jones, I think that'd be such an amazing fit for him. What about a young Jeremy Macklin? I see that, but I think – I think that Macklin never developed into a great route runner. And I think Ridley is already a great route runner. Um, so he's a and, leg up. Yeah. Yeah. He has, he definitely has a leg up in that perspective. Um, but I see what you make, but I see what you mean because Macklin's not a contested catch receiver. He's definitely not a great receiver against press uh, tight press coverage. So yeah, in that sense, I, I get it, but I, I just, I think, I really think the world of Ridley as a technician and I always thought Macklin was, was never great uh, in that regard, which is why I think that we've seen him just rocket off a cliff as soon as his physical skills <laughs> right, started, right. started to erode. Yeah. Like those guys that don't run. Like, sign. Yeah. Yeah. Guys that don't run good routes and don't, don't have a lot of great technique. Um, when, when their physical skills go like that, it goes, it goes quickly. That's why you see some, even some bigger receiver. It's just kind of a tangent, but like when you see some bigger receivers start to lose some of that explosiveness, when they already weren't huge explosive guys, if they're not great technicians, you know, you see them fall, fall away quickly. Like, like Vincent Jackson's a great example. Like when it went for him, it was gone. And like, we never, never heard a peep from him uh, after that. Um, And and then in other senses, you know, smaller guys who do have that really high end physical skill set, like a Santana Moss, if they become then great technicians, then you see them move into the slot and become kind of these possession receivers in the late portion of their career. Reggie Wayne. Yeah, yeah, Reggie Wayne's a great example. Jordy Nelson hopefully becomes that guy in Oakland now, yeah. uh, but I don't, I don't trust anything Oakland's doing to be <laughs> to be the right thing. Des Bryant needs to be that guy in Dallas. Like he, he needs, needs to make that tr- transition. Now they, they need. I mean, you'll appreciate this, Williamson. They need to get on the Larry Fitzgerald plan. You know what I mean? Like all of these guys. I was going to bring Larry up, but I bring him up too often. So. Yeah, because he's a prime example of a guy that was, right. you know. He's he's like basically Jarvis Landry now. Uh, they play the they basically play the same exact role, but he's just so much bigger and such a great technician that he's able to extend his career and become a hundred catch player. You know, every year, no matter who he's playing with, uh, because he has moved into this possession receiver role to run about fifty percent of his routes out of the slot. Guys like Dez, they could extend their career if they do that, uh, but th- but they have there has to be a willingness to it. You know, Reggie Wayne took to it. Larry Fitzgerald, even he he even talked about wanting to resist it for a while too, but when they take to it, they see that it extends their career. But a guy like Dez is you can clearly tell from his public comments he's he's not ready for that yet. Uh, but he he might need to be ready sooner than later. Where you see it most actually is tight ends. You know, Witten, yeah. Olson, Heath Miller, Gates, Gonzalez. I mean, the guys that learn the tricks of the trade, even when they can't run, they get open. Yeah, I hope Jimmy Graham. Uh, maybe is, is that player. I don't know that he is yet, but he's near the goal line. He is. Yeah. Right. If it's a contested catch, he'll get it. But I, you know, hopefully that he learns that as, as his physical skills are clearly diminishing as well. Matt, the last uh, receiver in this, in this top tier of receivers that I, we want to talk about today is Christian Kirk. I, I just, I just don't get it with him. Honestly, I, I feel like he's being undervalued. This won't surprise you, but I'm, I'm running some mock drafts and it seems like consistently in, in these dynasty rookie drafts, he's falling to the second round uh, behind all of these other players, basically that we've already talked about. And he, he dominated the sec for three years. What's, what's going on here? 
Great question. And he is another one who he's one who I got to talk to in person. I talked to DJ more over the phone, but got to meet him, uh, spend some time with him at the network. So maybe I'm maybe I'm seeing through like rose colored glasses. But when I talked to him, one thing that stood out to me was just he was just professional as hell. Uh, he even said like, so we have the, you know, the booking people at the NFL network who get these guys and then say like, Hey, here, you're going, here, you're going, uh, you're going to total access and you're going to talk to Matt Harmon. Then you're going to do up to the minute. You're going to do Here's your schedule or whatever. You know, the guy, I was the last thing on his agenda for the day. And the booking person said to him, you know, how ah, you really did, re-, you know, like, all right, that's a wrap. Well, like, Christian, you did a really good job with all this stuff. He's like, man, I'm used to it. Like, no, this is nothing to me or whatever. So like you mentioned, real polished both on and off the field. I mean, again, just was really struck with how professional he was. But also, again, talking to him, this is someone who really takes the preparation side of it seriously. Um, He talked about all the studying that goes into – uh into being a good route runner and studying everything you know not just in terms of the physical skills but one thing that stood out to me with him was yeah he's not a player that i think gets open against man coverage at a at a rate that's that's above the reception perception average same with press coverage you don't see him do that a lot because he was like a 93 percent slot receiver this past year or 91 percent excuse me so He's definitely somebody you see working inside, but he's great against beating zone coverage, great at finding the area to sit down and present a reliable target, which is, again, as you mentioned, why he's able to be so dominant production-wise because his quarterbacks, and again, he's another one that played with a few of them, really know they they can trust him. Uh, so I asked him about that, and yeah, he just talked about, again, the preparation and the study. Like, you got to know where your quarterback wants you to be, and you got to know where the receiver – where the zone is going to open where the defense doesn't want you to be. So, but I also think he's really good on contested catches, which is why I, Ryan, I, I comped him to your boy, uh, Randall Cobb, uh, because I think he's a guy that, yeah, he's mostly going to be a slot receiver. You probably want him to land like in the right type of offense. That's going to find a good use for him. But you know, if you remember Randall Cobb that I'm sure you never forget this, but that one <laughs> year he was actually good. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> the one year he was actually good. He was great on 50, 50 balls in the red zone and finding ways to get open against tight coverage in the red zone. I think Christian Kirk can be uh, that type of player. So overall, I really, I think I like him more than I dislike him. You know, it's tough to rank him too, too high, but just because again, I, I do think that he, despite his again this was something he insisted to me he was like i want to be an outside receiver i want to be because that's where he's like because that's where the number ones play and i want to be a number one uh so i want to get a chance to play outside i i didn't say this to his face but i don't know that he's going to be <laughs> an outside receiver uh so I, I don't know if you can how high you can rank him or whatever but i i do really like his game he looks like he could, you should use him a lot on pre-snap motion jet action those type of things to get people's hands off him at the line yeah, totally. I mean, he's a he should be somebody that you get that free release from or for you you find a way to use them mostly on strictly inside routes to break open the middle of the field, but you know, everybody says it, but like imagine if he was on the Patriots. I mean, he'd be a right. he'd be an Edelman type like that. Uh he, except I think he's better on those 50-50 balls. So, landing spot is is going to be is going to be crucial uh for for him. You know, again coming back to Dallas, like if Cole Beasley was such a train wreck last year as their slot receiver i think they'd really benefit from a player like like christian kirk to actually create some of those layup throws for for dak prescott so if he goes to a landing spot with a good quarterback like that i really think he's going to be a guy that you probably get at a discount in fantasy drafts because people don't necessarily like his game but but there's a there's a lot to be fond of with him 
A lot to be fond of with our friends at Harry's as well. Matt, you said you like the wink people. You're going to love the hair. Well, you're not because you don't ever shave. But if you were a little, if you had a baby smooth skin like me that was real sensitive, you would be all over Harry's razor blades. I've been using them for years now and got to know them from another podcast. And Harry's is all about a great shave at an extremely fair price, which is why I am one of three million dudes that have switched over to Harry's. Jeff and Andy are just two ordinary dudes who are fed up with getting charged an arm and a leg for razor blades. They started Harry's to fix shaving. Harry's stripped out all the unnecessary features like vibrating handles and 9,000 lubricating strips and all that nonsense and the unnecessary costs to deliver customers one perfect razor at an amazing price. A good shave comes down to good blades because Harry's owns the factory. They're able to deliver amazing quality blades for just two bucks a blade as opposed to four or more that you pay at your local drugstore. So all the products are backed by 100% guarantee. And for you guys, Harry's is so confident you're going to love their blades. They'll give you their free trial shave set for free when you sign up at harrys.com slash dynasty. I think that's all caps, but harrys.com slash dynasty. All you have to pay for is shipping. So you get a free trial offer from Harry's today for it's a $13 value. When you sign up, all you have to do is cover shipping. You get a weighted, beautiful razor handle. Five precision engineer blade with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel that smells wonderful, and a travel blade cover. To go get your free trial set, go to harrys.com slash dynasty right now. That's harrys.com slash dynasty. The Williamson, I gotta I gotta call you on this one too. You All right, bring it on. I don't like the the Harry's, but the thing is, I do never shave. So listen, I get that trial set. And I'm good. I got five blades for the whole year. That's all I need. $13. That might last you five years. <laughs> yeah, $13. That's all I need. Just, all, you, just all you gotta do is cover shipping. Exactly. So Harry.com hey, slash there, dynasty. There you go. Even if you don't shave, you gotta shave your neck and like everything like that, unless you want to look like a complete monster. So come on. Shave something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Matt. We've we've uh Covered the top tier of wide receivers pretty well. Let's dig into just a couple of these second tier guys, uh, second rounders in fantasy drafts. Uh, let's start with Deshaun Hamilton. It seems like you're becoming a little bit of a Penn State homer. I know, we know about your <laughs> Allen Robinson love and Chris Godwin this time last year, and and now it seems like uh, it seems like you're liking Deshaun Hamilton maybe a little bit more than the uh, the average fan or the average analyst. Yeah, I know. Harmon hype up uh, another Penn State ride wide receiver. But listen, they're not paying me, but they probably should. Um, but it's funny because we talked about technique and attention to detail and, and the ability to just separate and run routes. And that's why Allen Robinson stood out to me. That's why Chris Godwin stood out to me. And that's why Deshaun Hamilton stands out to me. Hamilton's different than those other guys because – um, Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson were perimeter receivers. They were guys who could go up and win above the rim. Uh, you do see Hamilton win some contested catches, but you know he was purely a slot receiver at Penn State. I mean, we're talking almost, I think, maybe just three, four, five snaps I registered when I charted him for reception perception that were outside at all. Um, but that assignment that he had, he executed it. I mean, to 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 precision, just consistently gets open. I mean – we're talking about dog walking corners like uh, the Iowa guy who's supposed to be a first rounder this year uh, who actually, I mean, he's really good, but Deshaun really got the best from 77.9% success rate versus man coverage. That's the highest I have in this class so far. 
it, the press attempts that he did see, uh, 82% success rate. So again, really strong number. Um, just a clean, totally clean route runner uh, and can definitely make plays in contested situations. You know, he's another one I talked about soft with Equinemius St. Brown. Gets a lot of questions about his drops and maybe, I, I don't know, maybe he had an issue with drops at some point in the past, but th- that was not what I saw uh, at all. Uh, I mean, I had just a couple drops from him, so I, I don't really understand where that came from. Again, maybe he had some drop issues in previous years. Like, a, it's funny, I mean, you can mention this out of both sides of your mouth, but like, I remember Nelson Aguilar was that guy coming out of school that, like, he had, like, in his second to last season, he had a lot of drops and then really corrected that in his final season. So I was like, oh, good, cool. He's passed it. Uh, and then he gets to the league and it was like a nightmare. <laughs> but then, like, now here we're this past year and he's more comfortable. And there's no issues, which is, again, why I think drops are just – they're very – it's not a thing that I pay a lot of attention to. But even so, again, I just didn't really see that as an issue for Hamilton. Um, and, and a couple more notes on him. One, uh, again, talking about route technique, uh, I've ended up building a little bit of a relationship with the Penn, former Penn State wide receiver coach, uh, again, through hyping up all of his players. <laughs> uh, and now, But now he's a wide receivers coach at, at the University of Alabama, Josh Gaddis. And he and I were actually talking this morning about – why the way I do the, the what I do with reception perception really helps highlight these guys who go underrated like a Chris Godwin, uh, you know, or a Deshaun Hamilton. These guys who probably aren't going to be first round picks. I mean, even Allen Robinson was was probably underdrafted for what he's given to the NFL is because people just don't pay attention to the little side of the position. The way just again being able to run that route over and over and over again and create separation consistently on a route to route basis. That's what the best receivers in the NFL do. Even guys that are big receivers that win above the rim, you've got to be able to be a great route runner too. You know, Mike Evans, when he's on and, and having his best years, he's running great routes. When he's not, that that then you find issue. You know, th- that's just what these great receivers do. And, and all these Penn State guys do it. And, and you know, hats off to Josh. He, he coaches them really well. Uh, and he's probably going to do the same thing now at Alabama as well. So that's one thing. And also on Deshaun Hamilton, if you haven't, Definitely check out his story about him and his uh, severely autistic brother. They have – it's just another thing to make this guy really someone to root for. Uh, he and his brother were really tight, uh, and you know, they, there's a couple stories you could Google about him. He actually went to high school in Stafford, Virginia, which is a town uh, just south of where I grew up in Virginia. So familiar with him from that. But definitely just a, a really good football player too. Like don't – it's not just a great story. He's a great story and he's a damn good player. I think he's going to be a great slot receiver that, you know, goes in the fourth round um, like a Jamison Crowder and ends up being a productive player. It's funny you mentioned that Penn State staff. I'm pretty good friends with Joe Moorhead, who was their offense coordinator. Now he's a head coach at Southern Miss. We were at Akron together. Really, really good group. And he has raved about that staff. And – a colleague of yours from NFL.com, I heard Daniel Jeremiah having a conversation and somebody asked him about, you know, boy, the the wide receivers that have come in the league since, you know, Odell's class haven't been that, that good, a lot of busts, what's the problem? And the one thing I really took away from what DJ said was the, the quote, route runners, the Cooper Cups, mm-hmm. they haven't busted. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if you run good routes, you got a pretty high floor. Yeah, I, I agree with DJ. He and I have had this conversation too. And, and it's these guys that come, you know, are, are pros. Um, these guys that look, you know, Michael Thomas is a great example. Yeah. But of all the guys in that class, like he and Sterling Shepard were the two guys that ran routes like professionals at the college level. And even when, you know, in Thomas's case, not a productive guy, 
um, not some freak show on the field. But he's been outrageously productive. I mean, he plays in New Orleans, plays in a great situation. But he's been outrageously productive no matter what. He's been a great number one receiver for them. Sterling Shepard has been really good when he's gotten opportunities. Those guys were, you know, the reception perception studs, the guys that ran the routes the the right way. Mm -hmm. The guys in that class otherwise, you know, whether it's Laquan Treadwell, who actually was pretty good in reception perception too, so I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. Whoops. Uh, But, like, guys (laughs) like him. guys. the only one I missed on him. Yeah, guys like Corey Coleman, those guys haven't haven't done so well in the league because even though they did separate well at the college level, you know they weren't necessarily running a variety of pro style patterns. These guys, like you mentioned, it's a great point by DJ. Those are the guys who who have done really well, and there's several guys in this class that that I think fit that mold. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if it, we see some really productive receivers coming out of this class, despite guys you know going in the top ten last year. You know, like Mike Williams and John Ross. Who, probably don't fit that mold that we were just talking about. Matt, the last guy I want to ask you about is Michael Gallup. And uh, I'm no no scout or analyst like you, but when I watch him, I just feel like he's maybe the most pro-ready receiver in this class. Do you see any of that? Yeah, that's exactly what I thought, honestly, Ryan. So I know I don't know what I'm talking about either, but hey, we're, we're both on the same both on the same train on that one. Like he was another, just very similar to Michael Thomas coming out of that draft a couple of years ago. As I just mentioned, like they, I don't know that they're necessarily totally similar players. That they, they do play somewhat similar in some fashions. And I think they're both like kind of on that Michael Crabtree axis. But when you watch them, they're just like, damn, this is a pro receiver. Like especially the way Michael Gallup wins contested catches. That's that to me, I think, is going to give him access to playing time um, because he tracks the football really well. He's really comfortable with the defender in his hip pocket. You know, again, not not the type of guy. Even Michael Thomas was this way, despite the fact that he's been a great separator in the NFL. You know, wasn't wasn't one of these guys that's just, you know, like a Corey Coleman getting open by miles and miles and miles. But gets open, gets enough separation and is really great on those catches along the boundary. Again, tight window throws. I think Gallup is going to be great on those. So, yeah, to me, he's someone that he does feel really underrated right now. I know PFF has him as, like, the number one receiver, but I don't see anybody else talking about him in the top five. And I I think it's going to be really tough whenever I do uh, finally get my arm twist into making some rankings or something. Um, He'll be a tough one to not have up there just because, again, I'm with you. I think he's really – I think he's really a pro-ready type of player – and I don't think he's similar to like a Rashard Higgins at all, who I really liked out of that same school. And that hasn't worked out. Um, I, don't, I don't really feel that they, those are totally similar players. I think they approach the, the game pretty differently. And he's another player like Christian Kirk, who is uh, in that second round range of, of dynasty rookie drafts. So uh, if you do like him, like Matt does, and like I do, you should be able to get him probably in the second round, a nice, a nice value. Well, Matt, what we've been doing over the past few few shows, especially the ones focusing on the rookies in this incoming class, is we like to finish the show with a quick one-round rookie mock draft. Are you up for that? I will allow it, sure. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> and we actually also had a suggestion. We always like to let the guests go first, and in this class, that means you get the easy pick at, at 101. Yeah, uh, one, of our, one of our guests suggested – Flip it around. Give give the guests the hard choice at three. So that's exactly what we're going to do. Williamson, you get to go first, and you I'll get to make Barkley. that tough pick. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that move along. 
All right. Barkley at one. No surprise there. Uh, that That's going to be the pick for everybody. Uh, I'm going to take the easy pick. At least it's easy right now. I'm going to take Darius Geis at two. And then we get to find out what Matt thinks about the third best prospect for dynasty leagues in this class. Yeah, I'm going to go not receiver here. I'm going to go Nick Chubb running back. Um, I really, really like Nick Chubb a lot. Uh, you know, I'm no, again, no running back expert or anything, but I think everything about him is really exciting, both just watching him play and also just, I mean, I think he's a, if Barkley wasn't a, a total alien of a running back, I think we'd be talking about what a great combine uh, Nick Chubb had. So um, yeah, I really, ho- I really hope he ends up in a place like Detroit or something and can really weasel his way into a starting job or Tampa. I mean, my God, whoever ends up in Tampa yeah. is going to just be rocketing up dynasty rookie drafts. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Williamson 1.04. Sony Michelle without much hesitation. He's my third guy, but um, I mean, I don't know what a lot more to say about it. I think he, hopefully landing spot helps him out too. All right, I'm going to follow the same trend that I've been seeing in our rookie ADP, and I'm going to make it five running backs in a row, and I will take Rashard Penny at the mm. 1.05 spot. So, Harmon, that puts you up at six. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I think I'm going to have to finally uh, burst the receiver bubble here, uh, <laughs> and I'm going to ta- take DJ Moore here. All right, Moore is also my wide receiver one in, in – uh, among the rookies, so I like that call. Williamson, one point oh seven. Yeah, I'll, I'll take um, I'll take Jones. I'll take another running back. I mean, I don't know that he's gonna score a ton of touchdowns, but it seems like pretty darn good value for you know the what seventh pick. Yeah, uh, let's see. This one's a tough one for me. I don't. I can't decide if this top tier, or I guess I should say the second tier, with Barkley being in the top tier by himself. Um, I don't know if this this second tier is goes down to seven or eight. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go wide receiver as well. And I will take Cortland Sutton at 1.08. And Matt Harmon, that puts you up on the clock. 1.09. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take Ridley here uh, because I think he's going to be drafted high and uh, I think he'll be really productive early. Uh, Do you feel like, you know, it's funny with the running backs. Like I know this gets a lot of hype as like a a deep and awesome class. And I'm sure there's going to be some studs that come out of nowhere, but it feels like it kind of drops off the the cliff at, at Penny for me. Like when he went off the board to you, I was like, I don't know that I'm like jazzed. I know when we did a mock recently, Ryan, I took John Kelly in like the late first round. Cause I think he has some excitement around him, but like without knowing where the hell these guys are going to land, I don't feel great about like, identifying all these great sleepers. I think after the top five, it kind of falls off to me. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, Jones certainly still has his supporters. Uh, uh, John Kelly does as well. And uh, on Johnson, Royce Freeman, all of those guys seem to be almost mm-hmm. equally loved and hated by, by, by different folks. So uh, that, that kind of balances out and puts them in that range really anywhere from the late first to the mid second. And, and the draft will ho- hopefully give us some clarity on that. Uh, Williamson, 1.10. This is your last pick in this mock. Yeah. And my top nine are gone. I would have grabbed Ridley there. And my next two are the two we kind of led the show off with St. Brown and Washington and in honor of my guest, I'm trying to figure out who he would take. I'm going to lean towards Washington, but I bet that's a coin flip for you there, Harmon. Yeah, it would it would be a coin flip. That's a that's a tough call. Um, again, it feels like I'd want to know where they land, but Washington feels a a touch safer to me. Hmm. 
Yeah, I think Washington's safer as well, but Washington is the guy I was hoping you would take, so I could take St. Brown at 11 and leave Matt with the last pick with, uh, what, I guess, five wide receivers gone at this point. I think here, um, this is tough. I want to I want to take Lamar Jackson just for the hot take because mm. I think he's going to be an awesome pro and I think he'll be a great fantasy player. Um, but I'm going to take Mike Gusecki, the Penn State tight end, uh, and just pray to God he goes to like Dallas or some team that just <laughs> desperately – or uh, <laughs> New Orleans. New Orleans. As I wrote about it. I'm putting a piece out uh, – either tomorrow or the next day. I have no idea when it publishes, but I filed it tonight about like the fatal flaw for every team um, going into the NFL draft and tight end was the one I listed for the saints. And I wrote in that piece, like, my God, how awesome would it be if uh, Mike Kosecki ends up going to the Saints? So I'm taking him here, and I'm hoping that that's what happens. All right, I like it. Yeah, if if Kosecki or Goddard or or Andrews, if any of those big-name tight ends that we have, have come to know over the past uh, few weeks and few months, if they land in New Orleans, they certainly would be in contention for that first round of, of rookie drafts. There's three or four teams that have nothing at that position right now. Uh, yeah, I wrote something up on the Jets. How about the Ravens? There's a couple oh, yeah. teams at all. Oh, they have nothing there. Ba- Baltimore was also my fatal flaw for them was was tight end. <laughs> so, Miami. Yeah. Oh, my God. Isn't Miami, like, technically isn't Fasano, like, listed as your starter? <laughs> I, I think so. <laughs> Give me a break or something like Jordan that. Leggett, I think, is a Jets starter right now. Oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, Harmon, thanks for joining us today. Uh, hopefully all of our listeners know where to find you, but let's just make sure. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much, guys, for having me. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. That underscore BYB gets more embarrassing by the year, uh, but, boy, it, boy. but it must stay. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing worse than having like Patrick Claybon have to read that out on NFL Network. And I'm like, my God, this is so humiliating. Uh, but yeah, you can watch me on NFL Network. You can find me on NFL.com slash Harmon and uh, ReceptionPerception.com for all the rookie profiles that we talked about today. Um, and that's how you order the ultimate draft kit where you'll get access to all of the reception perception work I'm doing with the fantasy footballers this year. It's going to be even better than it was last year. When and, should people expect that to hit the market? Uh, the pro, the ultimate draft kit comes out on June 1st. That's where cool. all like the NFL guys will be, uh, but you can pre-order it right now for the lowest price. I mean, come on, lowest price. Hey. You know what I'm talking about? All right. Thanks again, Matt. And we'll be back next week with more dynasty blueprints.